0: Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. A little later in the show, we're going to talk about whether liberals are too arrogant for their own good. A University of Virginia professor says they are. What makes him believe that, and will that affect the potential for a blue wave to take over Michigan and the country later this fall when people go to the polls. It's going to be a really interesting conversation. Uh, The University of Virginia professor has recently written an op-ed that says liberals are too arrogant for their own good, that they are not quite as smart as they think they are, and that's turning off voters. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that segment. It'll get started at about half past the hour, But first, last week, the state legislature sent Governor Rick Snyder a bill that would require able-bodied recipients of Medicaid to work or risk losing their health coverage. The law would affect more than half the 680,000 Medicaid recipients in the state. The governor is reportedly poised to sign the bill, which is a little confusing, since he was the architect of Healthy Michigan, our state's Medicaid expansion program, under the Affordable Care Act. If he signs this bill, it would put Michigan among only a handful of states that have a work requirement for Medicaid. Indiana, Kentucky, Arkansas, they're all among the poorest states in the nation. Joining us now to talk more about what's going on with this effort are Shayna Roth, Capital Reporter for the Michigan Public Radio Network. Shayna, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Hello, Stephen. Thanks for having me.
0: And also with us is Kyle DeBuck. He's the Director of Public Policy and Advocacy for the United Way for Southeast Michigan. Kyle, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Good morning, Stephen. Thanks for having me on. And as
0: always, uh, you are free to join us in this conversation on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Tell us what you think about the idea of requiring people who receive Medicaid to work to have that health insurance. Is that something that will move people out of poverty? That's what Republicans say it will help do. Or is it just punishing people who already don't have a lot of flexibility or choice in their life? Again, the number is 313-577-1019 on the phones. Uh, Shana, I want to start with you. Uh, Talk specifically about what this measure, which was approved by the legislature and is sitting on the governor's desk, what would it do?
1: Well, the final version of it that is on the governor's desk does quite a number of things, and it's it's really evolved as it has gone through the legislative process. Uh, so it would require an average of 80 hours per month of qualifying work activities for those able-bodied persons on the Healthy Michigan Plan. And What that mean? So I guess we should start with what qualifies as work activities. That includes regular work, but it also includes uh, things like job training, education, vocational training, uh, tribal employment programs. So there's a couple of different things that qualify. And then the other question becomes, you know, what is able-bodied, and is it possible to get an exemption? And throughout this process, the legislature has carved out about a dozen exemptions. So if you are able-bodied, meaning that you are not uh, sick or medically frail, um, and you are between the ages of 19 and 64, then you could potentially qualify for an exemption. Some of those exemptions include pregnant women, uh, individuals age 20 and under who were previously in the in foster care. Um, it also includes caretakers of a family member under the age of six, uh, or caretakers of a disabled dependent. Um, and then there's uh, individuals who are designated as med- medically frail would would, it, would get an exemption. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are kind of the broad strokes um, of what is in this bill as far as how it affects the individuals on Healthy Michigan. And then there's also some provisions in there as far as, you know, the state would need to get a waiver and what happens if the state can't get that federal waiver.
0: So Tom Leonard, who's the Speaker of the House, says this is a way of trying to give people a hand up, not a handout. That's language we yep. hear a lot from people on the right side of, of the aisle. Do they really believe that that's what's going on? Or is this also about just trying to maybe get more people off of Medicaid to try to save money uh, in anticipation of uh, the, the high costs that the state is going to incur because of Healthy Michigan as those costs move from the federal to the state level?
1: Well, I can only go as far as their intentions based on what they tell me, which is, sure. you know, a lot of them are, you know, very firmly saying this is a way to help our state's unemployment rate. It's a way to fill up a lot of uh, needed jobs. However, it is interesting in the legislative analysis from the House Fiscal Agency on this version of the bill, which is an impartial agency. Um, it estimates that the dropout or leave rate is about five to ten percent. Um, it also estimates that while there are approximately 670,000 able bodied adults on the Healthy Michigan Plan, um, that there will be 540,000 non exempt able bodied uh, persons. So you figure of the, you know, 670,000, this is a lot of numbers, mm-hmm. of these 670,000 able bodied adults, about 5 to 10% will probably leave based on the uh, agency's analysis, and that would you know, reduce the caseload and potentially save the state money. Now, on the other side of it is you have Democrats who are saying, look, there's going to be reporting requirements here. People who are in the work program would have to uh, report their work, education and all of that at least once a month. We don't know yet how much this is actually going to save because we don't know how much it's going to cost to implement this new program and to keep track and make sure that these, you know, Oh, like half a million people are actually working.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, talk about the governor's role here. As I said in the open, he was the architect of of Healthy Michigan. Mm-hmm. Spent a lot of political capital getting that passed. Why Why is he in favor of this bill?
1: Yeah, I mean he he was really against these types of work requirements for a while. And initially, it really did not sound like this was something that he was going to get on board with. Uh, but from what we've heard, uh, Senator Shirky, who has been sort of the, the impetus behind this bill and has really been pushing this forward, he says that he did a lot of uh, discussions with the governor and a lot of the changes, particularly uh, how many hours a person was going to be expected to 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 work. Initially, it was, I think, around 28 hours a week, as opposed to now it's 80 hours a month. He says, you know, he really sort of was working with the governor, was trying to craft some sort of compromise. And uh, last Thursday, the governor issued a statement that says that the bill ensures the continuation and sustainability of the Healthy Michigan program. Hmm. So all signs are pointing to he is on board and he is willing to sign this.
0: Yeah. Uh, Kyle DeBuck, director of public policy and advocacy at the United Way for Southeast Michigan. Talk about what we know about these kinds of work requirements, and poverty. This is something that's very popular among Republicans. has been tried in some other states with regard to other uh, safety net uh, kinds of, of, of programs. What, what do we know about the effects of this on poor people?
2: Absolutely. I think... We know that the, the general population receives this and thinks that it makes some sort of sense, but ultimately the experience uh, in states that have tried this uh, shows that work requirements simply do not work. They're they're based on a uh, gross misperception and, and stereotypes, frankly, about what it means to be living in poverty and to be a member of the working poor and that the reason someone is not working is simply because they lack the proper motivation. Yeah, This uh, bill is based on the premise that Threatening to take away your health care will provide that motivation, but in no way recognizes many of the barriers that families are struggling with. Uh, In our region, we know particularly transit is a significant barrier to people uh, securing gainful, uh, steady employment. Mm -hmm. We know that Mm -hmm. uh, I was raised by a single mother of four, and she had tremendous difficulty holding down a regular job that was willing to... uh, work around her schedule and the demands on her time and fulfilling her obligations to her children. We know we have the checkoff box where returning citizens are actively discriminated against in the workforce. And here we have uh, a, a law saying, well, if you don't get a job, we're going to take away your health care. On top uh, of everything else. Uh, on top facing. of everything else. So uh, we know that there's there's uh, no real practical reason that this is going to work. It, it might sound good in a political soundbite, but in, in the real world, we're not addressing... People's needs. And in, in our work at United Way, you know, we work with these families. We work with families that are struggling to make ends meet. And it is not for a lack of trying that people are unable to achieve financial stability. And, and the state needs to be focusing on how do we address those barriers and how do we truly uh, meet the needs of these families so that they can get to the place that they want to be and we all want them to be, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to using Medicaid as a bludgeon. So, I mean, one of the
0: things that, that always strikes me as ironic here is the argument that this is aimed at lifting people out of poverty by putting them into the workforce. And there is something sort of, I guess, uh, basically appealing about that, right? The idea that if people are working, they're likely to be less poor. Uh, but, But the complications of that or the complications that lie behind that, I guess, are the things that people forget that work, first of all, moving people to work through uh, threats is is really different than moving people to work through job training or or creating opportunities or might we talk about uh, making sure that there are great wages for people to work. This, uh, just last week this legislature uh, got rid of the prevailing wage law uh, as a way of of lowering uh, the wages that that people particularly at the low end of the economic scale uh, can earn. I mean it it seems as though this is a conversation that uh, that doesn't include that nuance uh, often enough. Uh,
2: exactly. I think that in attempting to help people, you threaten to take away one more thing that is allowing for those families to to make ends meet from month to month. You're, you're working at cross purposes from what you're actually saying you're mm-hmm. trying to achieve. And that, in addition to the fact that this this proposal, in in addition to harming the families who are directly targeted by it, which, by the way, we're building an entire government bureaucracy to target a tiny sliver of the Medicaid population. Uh, based on a misperception of what those families are actually going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, Healthy Michigan is working. You have uh, you know, an all-time low uh, number of uninsured people in the state of Michigan. Uncompensated care costs are down across They're all dropping. the hospital systems. Yes. So the governor, in having led this effort in 2013, has achieved the goals of the program. But now to start chiseling away at it, uh, create a new pool of uninsured folks who – that doesn't create any savings to the state that shifts costs onto hospital systems, which then shift costs onto all consumers as insurance rates continue to rise. Mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm. So there, there is no win here. It's not a win for the families that are targeted. It's not a win for state revenues and it's not a win for taxpayers. Uh, so, again, it's a nice soundbite, but it's bad policy no matter how you cut it.
0: Yeah. Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Shayna Roth, a Capitol reporter with the Michigan Public Radio Network. Also here is Kyle DeBuck. He's Director of Public Policy and Advocacy for the United Way of Southeast Michigan. Uh, We're talking about the bills that are sitting on uh, Governor Rick Snyder's desk that would require work for people who receive Medicaid. Republicans say this is a way to give a hand up, not a handout, to poor people, It'll get them working and maybe get them out of poverty. The Democrats say this is punitive and that it will cost a lot of people who really can't work or can't get to work or can't find a job that they can hold down. It'll cost them their health insurance and then cost the state More money. What do you think about this bill? Do you think the governor should sign it? Do you think this is the right way to move people out of poverty? Is it the right way to deal with uh, the cost of the expanding Medicaid system here in the state of Michigan? Healthy Michigan uh, now insures 670,000 people. Through Medicaid, thanks to the governor's efforts uh, to take advantage of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, Is this one way to try to keep those costs under control? As always, the number on the phones is 313 577 1019. That's 313 577 1019. Uh, You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Tell us what you think about the idea of working work requirements and poverty. Is that a cure for the poverty that we see here in the state of Michigan? We had a caller who couldn't stay on the line who says her cousin has spina bifida and is considered able-bodied, but he can't work. He will likely lose his benefits. Uh, Kyle, thats I would imagine that you guys are hearing from lots of people, again, caught in these situations that uh, involve a little more nuance than the idea of, well, why can't you just go and get a job and work?
2: Exactly. Again, assuming that someone's rent and someone's utility bills aren't enough of a motivation for them uh, to secure a job uh, is just a, you know, a, a false premise. What we're saying is there was a U of M study that, that looked at this, you know, 540, 570,000 folks who would be considered able-bodied on the Medicaid expansion. Uh, 40% of them are already working. And of the remainder, you've got uh, students, uh, homemakers, uh, folks who uh, report being uh, retired early uh, mm-hmm. but don't have an income that would allow them to go about go out and uh, buy insurance on the private market before they uh, uh, are eligible for Medicare. And then you have 11% of folks who, who report being unable to work because of some sort of illness or disability that doesn't quite qualify according to the, the, the definitions put forth in the law. Mm-hmm. That, in addition to the fact that in order to get those designations. You have to go through a whole nother bureaucratic process. So what happens in the year that you're waiting to get the designation from the federal government and then to have that process by the state? Uh, uh, folks who do have an actual disability or some sort of ailment uh, risk that condition becoming even worse and right. even further hampering their ability to work. And the, this bill doesn't address that in any way. Yeah. It is far more likely to harm people and put them further away from financial stability than it's going to motivate someone uh, to get to work. Let's go to Chris in Detroit.
0: Chris, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. Hey, go ahead.
2: Hi, my name is Chris. Okay, so one
0: of the things I'm looking at is that the bill does not raise the, middle, the, um, the minimum wage for, health, uh, for Healthy Michigan. The minimum wage for Healthy Michigan is $18,600. At $18,600, if you don't raise it, for, for the average person that works 80 hours a month at McDonald's, they'll hit that. We look at it every day at my job. I, where I work with people trying to get them on Medicaid. Hmm. So when you when you're looking at when you're looking at stuff like this, and you're like, "Oh, people have to work. People have to work. If they don't have, if they don't make the minimum, if they make more than the minimum wage, then it, then the program is not doing anything for them." Hmm. Uh, Chris, that's a that's a really great uh, example. Uh, Shana Roth, I'll give you a first crack at uh, addressing what what Chris is talking about here. It's it's. This sort of catch-22 for people uh, who, who live in poverty, which is that if you work too much, you lose the benefit of something like Medicaid, but then you're also in a job that's unlikely to give you benefit.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's really something that hasn't necessarily been addressed by this bill or or necessarily by uh, Republicans in the legislature. The focus of this bill, uh, according to the Republicans I've spoken to, is to get people working. Um, It is to ensure that they are, you know, getting those X amount of hours in um, and not necessarily focusing on how much uh, they are making in those jobs, uh, but rather just that they, you know, their belief is that there are a lot of jobs out there, and they're trying to get those filled.
0: Yeah, uh, Kyle. Uh, again, this this sort of nether nether region that people are caught in uh, between work and benefits again is not is not being addressed. Exactly the.
2: Uh, <clears throat> The benefits cliff is, is a tremendous problem across you know, all of our, our safety net systems. And, and again, uh, when you're trying to, to draft a bill that's designed to help people but doesn't mm-hmm. in any way recognize the natural barriers, the systemic barriers, the economic barriers, and the family barriers that people are, are dealing with, uh, you're going to end up with a bill that actually does more harm than good. Yeah. Uh, Chris, thanks
0: very much for the call
2: and the question.
0: Let's go to Kathy in Livonia. Kathy, welcome to Detroit today. Hey, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. I love your show. Thank um you. I am not in agreement with the requirement, but my, my real question, curiosity is how does this work requirement play into the poison cell that's kind of built into Healthy Michigan? Because it's not a guaranteed program going forward. There are ways for this to fail. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if this would expedite that or if that complicates that at all. Yeah, great question, Kathy. Thanks very much uh for the call. Shana Roth, uh, what about that? potential for Healthy Michigan to to collapse essentially under its own weight.
1: Yes, and I'm glad that uh, she brought that up because that was something that I did want to bring up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that, that whole the potential of Healthy Michigan collapsing, that was kind of, according to Senator Shirky, one of the imp- impetuses behind this bill, other than to get people working, was he uh, said that you know within a few years, Healthy Michigan would not be sustainable. What's interesting is that the bill itself contains sort of its own poison pill in that uh, if the federal government doesn't uh, authorize the uh, or approve the waiver for the work requirement because the federal government, if you want to alter uh, your Medicaid plan in this way you would have to get a work re- a, a, a waiver from the federal government uh, if the federal government doesn't authorize that waiver that would in a sense destroy healthy Michigan mm-hmm. and there are provisions in there that would allow for people to have some sort of a notice before that would happen. Um, but that is something that is kind of out there. And while lawmakers have said, you know, we really believe that this waiver will be granted, we don't have any indications that it won't. I mean, what we're, what it doesn't really seem to reckon with is that we're dealing with a presidency and a federal government right now that isn't a fan of so-called Obamacare mm-hmm. or uh, or this type of plan. So it's interesting that that provision I- is in there when it, the uh, the whole purpose behind this on some level was to try and keep healthy Michigan going. So it will be interesting to see does that poison pill end up taking effect or not.
2: Yeah, yeah. Kyle? Yeah, the, the risk is very, very real. And that's one of the many reasons that we're appealing to the governor to actually veto uh, this bill, given that it is his landmark achievement as governor and a tremendous bipartisan effort in 2013 that they've actually built this Medicaid expansion, that it's working uh, now to lay it at the feet of, of the federal government, which I think is not operating, it's most efficient and effective at the moment for, for a great number of reasons, and say, if we don't get this done, if we don't get this waiver approved in 12 months, we're just going the whole p- program just evaporates, hmm. and we leave you know, 700,000 people in Michigan, again, without health care is that really the risk to target this, this sliver of the population that we could be doing far more useful things to help achieve uh, steady employment and financial stability?
0: Okay. Sheena Roth, Capital Reporter with the Michigan Public Radio Network, as always, thanks for joining us on Detroit Today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Also, Kyle DeBuck, Director of Public Policy and Advocacy at the United Way for Southeast Michigan. Great to have you here as well. Thank you, Stephen. Up next, we're going to talk with a professor who says liberals aren't as smart as they think they are and are a little more smug than they should be. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss out on any of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today. Take us with you. Listen when you are ready. We will be right back with more Detroit Today.